What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Very Cold Lasagna, the podcast that houses a safe and open listening platform for all the casual, cold, and the dumb takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports. I am your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to today's episode, episode number 97 of this freezing cold podcast that houses that icy and spicy lasagna in that very cold fridge. Today, we got a good show for you all. I guess it is WrestleMania week, but, well, we're not here to talk about that because we still got our March Madness going on here on Very Cold Lasagna because we got part five. Part six. Is that that the number? No, that's not the number. It's Cinco. It's number Cinco of our March Madness here on Very Cold Lasagna with our 2021 NFL season recaps. We got the final four. Oh, wait. The not-so-final four of our teams remaining. We got the Buffalo Bills, the Tennessee Titans, the Green Bay Packers, and the Tampa Bay Bucks. The four teams that didn't get to the conference championship games, let alone the Super Bowl. For many reasons, for many reasons alone. So we're going to be talking about those four teams today. And in our final, final season recap uh, episode um, in this coming week, we'll be talking about the three teams remaining now keep in mind remember all the way back when we first started this thing i already mentioned when we first started i already talked about my san francisco 49ers well back in february so if you didn't catch that episode i recommend you check it out wherever you get your podcast so anyway um i first wanted to start off the show today um talking about wrestlemania um i know it's been a very football centric show for well the last month in several months for now and I just got to say about WrestleMania uh, really quick. You know, it's WrestleMania week and for all of my listeners and for some of my closest people, I am a, I'm a wrestling fan. I honestly got can't say I'm a huge wrestling fan as it speaks right now because of the sad state that it's in. And well, I got to say to you, I got to be honest with you. I'm really, really not looking forward. I actually <laughs> didn't even remember WrestleMania 38 was this weekend. Like, wow, that's sad and pathetic. <laughs> really, it's really kind of sad and pathetic, but at the same time, kind of cleansing, I guess. Oh man, when when literally the NFL offseason is literally the new WrestleMania, and when it's better than what the actual WrestleMania is, that's when definitely where, um, I don't know, I guess definitely where you're at as a wrestling fan right now. Just pure utter dog shit and. Definitely goes the same for AEW as well. Wrestling in general is just your utter dog shit. All the flips, kicks, and utter, utter bullshit. Um, and, well, everyone being soft is all hell, complaining about every little thing that people say on Twitter, no matter how big or small their following is. Just like, for example, uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa complaining about you know all the critics from their... Um, from their steel cage match and Thunder Rosa getting all woke about Brock Lesnar's mariachi segment. Like, oh, goodness gracious. So anyway, going back to WrestleMania on that side tangent. Yeah, I totally forgot it was this week, literally, uh, until I saw a post on Twitter, you know, <laughs> saying, like, they're, they're going to have this WrestleMania Raw, WrestleMania SmackDown. Like, my God. What, like, if, if the NFL did this for, like, all their playoff games like there's gonna be a wrestlemania uh, not a wrestlemania super bowl uh nfc wildcard and wrestlemania uh super bowl um nfc championship game or super bowl asc championship game my god the marketing we be so terrible like oh goodness gracious but uh is it like when i look at the card um you know just because i don't know i just want to take a little glance at it it's pretty bad it is so is like like so bad, and I still don't understand why they're doing the two night WrestleMania thing because most of these wrestlers don't deserve to be on WrestleMania. Like the only people I think deserve to be on it at this point are Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, and I gotta tell you, Pat McAfee, he actually is a guy. Like yes, he's not really a wrestler, um, but he can hang. He can fucking hang. <laughs> Watch his matches from NXT Takeover, um, a couple like I think it's like two years ago now, and he, he can clearly wrestle. He can clearly wrestle. He he can talk on the mic. He has he has more charisma than anybody on the roster right now. Of course, besides Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. And other than that, I'm no, I'm not really looking forward to anything else. Um, if I manage to tune into WrestleMania on um this weekend, 
And yeah, they, they need to go back to one night WrestleMania, put the best of the best, um, make it four hours, just like they did back in the good old days. And yes, I know we can't go back and change history. Oh, you can't go back to the good old days and all that bullshit. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't, if you're a wrestling fan right now, I mean, are you are you excited for WrestleMania, uh, Raw, WrestleMania SmackDown, WrestleMania Night One, Night Two? Oh, gravy! I I, I don't even know if I want to watch any of this this coming week. So anyway, back to football. Um, we we want to get into some uh, a little bit of not so breaking news, kind of like late out of date breaking news um, about some things that went down in uh, last week. Yes, literally last week. So some of this news that I missed um, on the last episode of Very Cold Lasagna, we're going to catch up on it right now. Um, the Colts, well, they got their quarterback. Um, kind of not the long-term answer at quarterback, though. Um, they trade Matt Ryan, yes, Matt Ryan, from the Atlanta Falcons for just a third-round pick. Yeah, literally. They literally got Matt Ryan for just pennies on the dollar. Now, granted, they're carrying on his uh, big-ass contract, and the Falcons are taking that fat-ass uh, dead cap hit. So, I mean, I guess for the Falcons, yes, yeah, they're, they're going to be in the shutter for a pretty long time. And for the Colts, well, I guess Matt Ryan, I mean, he's, he's pretty solid. Pretty solid dude. Um, now, he finally has an offensive line again. Um, you got a good running back in Jonathan Taylor. Just get another receiver uh, opposite Michael Pittman Jr. Um, and, well, now you have a defense, a very, very um, rock-solid defense. Um you know, just build around Matt Ryan and hopefully, you know, in a very crowded um, AFC, if if the Colts at least tried to do something right um, in the draft and build around uh, Matty Ice, who knows? Maybe they can be a dark horse contender in the AFC. Now, the other big, big breaking news um, from last week was the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, they traded away Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. Like, holy fuck. <laughs> Of all the names getting traded, getting traded to uh, another team, who would have expected Tyreek Hill going to the Miami Dolphins? Now they were saying that um, they're trying to work an extension, um, you know, get Tyreek Hill signed long term, but um, nothing came to a pass. So they, at least you know Kansas City gave Tyreek Hill and his agent his, their blessings to you know go seek a trade, go let him play somewhere else to get the big fat money. Um, yes. That's pretty much where sports is nowadays. No more loyalty, unfortunately, um, you know, except for some certain players. Um, so, yeah, Tyreek Hill is now a Miami Dolphin. And I'll start with the Kansas City side first. I think it takes a big hit on their offense. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll you have to see this big hit, but I think defenses are going to target Travis Kelsey a lot more. I think that's going to be the big point of attack now. And who's going to be the big speedy threat for Patch, um, for Patrick Mahomes? Who's going to be the speedy target for Mahomes now? Is it going to be Juju Smith-Schuster? Is it going to be Marcus Valdez-Scantling? Who's it going to be? Who is it going to be? A lot of questions to be answered. Now, obviously, uh, my, uh, Kansas City is going to be using a boatload of the draft picks to go and get a wide receiver, especially in the first round. But... You can't really replace the production of Tyree Kill, just like how the Packers can't really replace the production of Devontae Adams. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough for Kansas City to do that. Now, for Miami, man, you, you really got a big, big, big addition for the offense. I mean, you got Tyree Kill now um, in an offense that has Jalen Waddle, a surging um, wide receiver on the opposite end. You got Mike Kosicki. Um, now you got some 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 good running backs now with um chase edmonds and raheem Mostert. um granted that he's healthy uh he stays healthy um for at least one season and then hopefully hopefully you get something out of miles gaskins and then you're, you're building a very very damn good offensive line um as long as teron armstead stays healthy now the question obviously is going to be uh whether or not Tua Tagovailoa um is going to put it all together is he going to be the quarterback that well Miami is hoping to be um and hoping that oh we didn't get into the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes because we believe in Tua so it's going to be on Tua's uh hands now that he has all these weapons 
He has an offensive line. There's literally no excuses left for Tua um, to underperform, disappoint in an offense that literally now has like a a veteran to you know to embrace these guys and you know mentor um, these young players. Tyree Gill um, should be a big asset for Tua. Now it's gonna be up to him to tug a Viola to you know go out there and execute, go out there and produce with. Tyree Kill and the rest of the offense. So interesting stuff. I don't think, you know, Miami's there yet as like in a challenger to the Bills. Um, even with Tyree Kill, because, you know, you don't know what you're gonna get out of Tua just yet. But anything can happen. Anything can happen in the NFL. So yeah, that was the big news coming out of the last week but everything else you know kind of high and dry right now when it comes to the rest of free agency but that's the name of the game so with that being said um let me know your thoughts about any of those um two big uh things that happened last week matt ryan going to the colts and tyreek hill going to the can uh, not the kansas city chiefs the miami dolphins let me know your thoughts about either one of those things however you can so anyway we're going to talk about um, our main topic of the day, and that is the continuation of our March Madness. We got two more um, of these bad boys to to go through. We got four teams we're going to be talking about today. And as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about the Buffalo Bills, the Tennessee Titans, the Green Bay Packers, and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Pretty much the four teams that could make it to the NFL's Final Four. And considering that this weekend is also the Final Four, well... Yeah, these teams could make it to that dance. And, you know, be it for, well, there's just exponential factors or, you know, injury bug or, you know, disappointment. Yeah, these teams just couldn't um, get to that um, finish line and when it came, came to those games in the divisional round. So, with that being said, let's talk about these four teams, these four divisional round losers in part five of our 2021 NFL season recaps. So kicking things off with our not so final four portion of our 2021 NFL season recaps is the Buffalo Bills. For Bills Mafia, I imagine that 2020 was pretty much everything that you could have imagined. You know, Josh Allen taking a massive leap into his development in his third year and the bills giving him as much support as he can by trading for minnesota vikings wide receiver stefan diggs during that 2020 offseason before the pandemic riddled season began and uh stefan diggs matt mind you um was a massive massive um help for josh allen's growth and a big add to a receiver group that only really had um cole beasley as their main guy um, and you know, the bills went 13 and three Allen playing at the MVP level, but he was only at his peak at this time until we saw what happened this season that we're going to be talking about. And the bills actually managed to get as far as to the AFC championship game before they fell to the Kansas city chiefs. But even then, you know, the future looked bright for the Buffalo bills and they didn't really do much in during the last off season, this past off season last year. Um, and well, yes, they could have used more defensive pieces. They had already had most of the roster still in the contract, and they also signed Josh Allen to a long-term extension. You're clearly seeing uh, a lot in him, and you know, to an extent, yes, that was true. Now, mostly everyone came back, but not many new additions. Now, for the Bills, they hope this time around they do even better this season. They go into the playoffs, go much deeper than, oh, we're just going to beat Kansas City again. And this time, go to the Super Bowl for the first time in nearly 30 years. Now, they didn't get off to the greatest of starts. They lost a a home opener to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first week of the season, and they were pretty flat on all, all shapes and sizes. But they managed to bounce back um, for four straight wins. Um, and that... That win included a early season revenge game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the Bills blew them out. Um, the 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 Bills defense uh, picked six Patrick Mahomes. Pretty pretty good win. And Josh Allen played lights out over Mahomes in that in that game. Now after that, they underwent a stretch of inconsistency and pretty much the rest of the way. Um, 
inconsistent offense, very slow starts um, from that same Josh Allen offense, and some odd, odd decisions from Sean McDermott um, in certain games, which led to some pretty bad losses against the Tennessee Titans, um, the New England Patriots in that very, very bad weather game, the Tampa Bay Bucks, and yeah, let's also mention those losses to the Josh Allenception Jaguars, and yes, getting single-handedly steamrolled by Jonathan Taylor at home. Yeah. Like those two losses are pretty much inexcusable for the Buffalo Bills. Um, it it's pretty much like the problem was for the Bills is that yeah, while Josh Allen was playing at a all time level, um, pretty much um at some at certain points, um, the defense and and wasn't just wasn't doing their part either, and and there were also times where Josh Allen himself, you know. He had some. He had a few bad games as well. So fortunately, for the Bills, they get a very favorable four-game stretch to end the season, getting revenge on New England, clinch the AFC East um, after they lost to the Miami Dolphins, and you know they get a a three match at home with the Patriots to begin their to begin their playoff uh, stretch. And boy, did they need the Patriots at home, <laughs> literally, because in that wild card game, yeah. They put the candy ass whooping on Bill Belichick. Josh Allen and that offense scored on every damn single possession that they could on New England, scoring touchdown after touchdown and limiting New England to just 14 garbage time points. Literally, had the Bills defense, you know, contained Mac Jones just a little bit, this could have been a complete shutout. This literally could have been a complete shutout um, by the Buffalo Bills in that wildcard game. Like, holy hell. <laughs> Who could expect um, the Bills to completely destroy Bill Belichick in a playoff game? Who knew? But of course, we all knew what happened after that. You know, you get to the divisional game. You have to face Kansas City again to get to the AFC Championship game, let alone host the AFC Championship game against the Cincinnati Bengals. And you were just seconds away. All you had to do, um, all you had to do was play defense after Josh Allen gave you another lead um, with just 13 seconds remaining, and all you, all the Bills defense had to do, um, especially Sean McDermott had to dial up um, a, a good play call for them, but he didn't. But he didn't. And Patrick Mahomes got Travis Kelsey wide open, got into got into range, field goal range, set up overtime, but, and we knew what happened from there. Um, they lost the overtime uh, coin toss, and Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, went marching straight down into Bills territory and got the win from there. Now, I know some people are complaining about, oh, they should change the overtime rules and all that, but the fact of the matter is the Bills defense came out flat. They gave away too many... Too many yardage, too many points to Mahomes and the Chiefs. They just gave up too many big plays. That was the common theme for the Buffalo Bills um, throughout the late stretch of the season. Now, sure, they lost um, starting corner Jadavius White um, in the secondary, which, in my opinion, was kind of a big loss um, to that Bills defense. Um, and still, still kind of not a big excuse when, uh, yeah, still have starters like Levi Wallace and Micah Hyde and Joy Boyer. Um, in that in that backfield, um, defensive backfield, mind you, and you know, I guess it just wasn't enough. I guess it just wasn't enough for for either one of those guys to hold the unit together, and could they have used more pass rush help from the guy for likes of Mario Addison and Ed Oliver? Sure, but I guess the I guess the Kansas City Chiefs just couldn't get it done. Now the season as a whole, um, for Buffalo mostly okay, you know. I think a lot of the season success had to do with Josh Allen again, playing at an even better level than he did in 2020, despite some down games. And Stephon Diggs had another good year as well. But I think Stephon Diggs also got some much-needed help from the emerging likes of Gabriel Davis, a second-year receiver, and tight end Dawson Knox. I think Dawson Knox had a much better year than whatever the tight end duo was in 2020. And Gabriel Davis really came on in that divisional game when Stephon Diggs wasn't doing well. 
like he didn't show up for that game. So the problem was for the Bills, um, not, aside from the defense, was their running game. Like neither Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, or whoever they had <laughs> coming in, um, they they weren't really netting any positive yards. They couldn't really um, break break open uh, for a big run, other than just oh we got to convert this first down. Hence why viewers often saw Josh Allen running more than he should have, and hopefully going to 2022. Sean McDermott makes Josh Allen run just a little less, um, like in intentionally. So overall, you know, the Bills did have a great year from Josh Allen, played at an MVP level, um, you know, a lot left to be desired from the rest of the team after an 11-6 record and yet another heartbreaking loss to Kansas City. Now going to the offseason, and they initially were over the cap around minus $5 million dollars. They managed to get over the cap with some restructuring and some releases. Um, some of the key free agents um, heading into uh, pre-free agency included um, some edge edge rushers, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, a little bit on the older side. Um, interior defensive line linemen, Vernon Butler, right tackle Bobby Hart, Levi Wallace, um, and backup Mitch Trubisky. Um, now, some of the key offseason moves, the biggest one obviously being um, getting Broncos and Rams linebacker Von Miller. That's going to be a big get. Sure, they overpaid for him, but it's going to definitely help um, the Bills in the pass rush. They got a proven name. They got a former Super Bowl MVP and a two-time uh, Super Bowl champion who just won, who's just coming off his second Super Bowl win. They also got a, a another offensive lineman for Josh Allen and Roger Saffold, a little a little old as well, but you know you want to have a veteran presence in the, in protecting Josh Allen. They also signed some receiver depth um, in Jameson Crowder and as well as getting some help for Doxton Knox in the, in the rotation in OJ Howard. So taking a little bit of a flyer on him as well. But they managed to lose um, Levi Walls and Mitch Trubisky to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, okay, you're going to see Mitch Trubisky at home next season anyway. So we'll see how he does. So right now, there's they're around $2 million in the cap. Um, so... They have to make some money to to sign some some of their draft um their draft signings. So they're currently slated to pick at number twenty five, and I think some of the things that they have to address um throughout the rest of the offseason, um including the draft is their secondary, because well they got torched um a good number of times this past year, especially when uh, Tre'Davious White went down, um and that included the divisional game against the Chiefs. They gave up way too many big plays, and you know, had they made like a, a critical pass breakup or an interception on Mahomes, well, that could have been a difference maker. That could have been a big difference maker. And hopefully, they use one of their mid round or late round picks um, to shrink, strengthen their cornerback room. Um, they should also add another defensive lineman. Um, I mean, sure, they already have Von Miller, but they haven't signed back yet uh, Mario Addison or whoever. Um, whoever the other oh uh, Vernon Butler so they haven't signed any one of those guys back yet um, but they should get some more help in the interior pass rush um, by getting another another uh, D lineman um, to just help out Von Miller and Ed Oliver they also could use more updates on the offensive line um, in terms of the rotation now they were good in, in protecting Josh Allen last season but you know it could still use some work Make it an open competition, um, especially in terms of, you know, creating a running game per source. So Josh Allen doesn't have to run it a million times in 2022. So adding Roger Saffold was nice, but, you know, Buffalo should consider um, finding a quality lineman in the draft. And, you know, nothing comes up. Maybe um, there's still some like like free agents out there that can go for the bargain go for the for the cheap price um whoever wants to try and win their championship um with buffalo we'll see so you know despite some tough losses the bills look like they're gonna finally outdo the chiefs in 2021 but you know the defense wasted what was an all-time performance from josh allen in that divisional game and ultimately an all-time season like from from Josh Allen. You know, sure, it's not like, oh, crazy, crazy shit from Josh Allen, but he was literally the the glue that held everything together for Bill's Mafia in 2021. Now, 
certainly, yes, the Bills upgraded their defense by um, adding Von Miller, but that's only in the defensive line. They still have some things to do um, in in the secondary and the rest of the defensive line to get the Bills over the hump and you know get Josh Allen to his first ever Super Bowl, and that's not going to be easy. They're still over the cap, um, not over the cap, a little little under the cap. And the AFC is crowded as fuck now. So if they're going to survive that crowded AFC, if they're going to be the top dogs um, this coming season, they're going to have to improve that scrambled egg defense. So next up, we're going to be talking about the Tennessee Titans. For the Tennessee Titans, they were one of the crazier stories in the last couple of years. And why do I say crazy? Well, let's take a look back at some of their most recent success. You know, 2019 is pretty much where it all began for, ten for Tennessee. They went on this crazy Cinderella run as the number six seed in the AFC. And nobody believed that they're going to win a playoff game. They're just going to be, oh, let's just whisk them aside. Um, and they were heavy underdogs. But they eventually uh, wound up sending Tom Brady and his talents from New England to Tampa Bay. And then they went on to literally destroy the eventual MVP that year, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And yes, they event they were up at one point against Patrick Holmes in the Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. But, you know, they ultimately fell short in that game to the eventual Super Bowl champs. So, yes, 2019. Um, yeah go up to standard with the eventual climax of a Super Bowl appearance for the Tennessee Titans. But, you know, crazy they, they managed to go on that crazy run um to begin with and and at all for for Tennessee. Now 2020, they managed to follow up that success with a AFC South title, but unfortunately for them, their first playoff game at home for the first time in many, many years. Um, they fell kind of flat against the Baltimore Ravens in a revenge game of sorts for um, Ravens flock. Now for Tennessee, you know, Ryan Tannehill, they, their quarterback right now, they managed to replace a former second overall pick Marcus Mariota and Tannehill would lead the charge on that Cinderella run. And yes, he had some head scratching throws, but pretty solid and did enough to help win the, win the team some games. Now, of course, the offense mainly runs through their king, the king of kings, Derrick Henry. With his ability to break through tackles, run through defenders, he's pretty much a force to be reckoned with. Um, he's won two straight rushing titles in 2021. Seemed to be no different. Um, the Titans, um, defensively, pretty solid. You know, you got defense um, that's Harold by Harold Landry, um, Javon Brown on the pass rush, and you got... In the secondary corners, Buster Screen and free safety Kevin Byard. Now, during the offseason, um, they they focused around the defense just to improve um, improve that area. They added the likes of defensive tackle Danico Autry, uh, linebacker Bud Dupree from the Steelers, and corner Janoris Jenkins. And they also drafted Caleb Farley despite um, some injury history and um, Elijah Molden from Washington. And and during the summer. They also traded for Falcons receiver Julio Jones to give Tannehill another option besides A.J. Brown. Now, with these key additions and death pieces finally in place, you know, for Mike Vrabel and Ryan Tannehill, they at least at least seem confident in finally getting to that Super Bowl that they nearly had in 2019. But for much of the season, yeah, a lot of a lot of that confidence, a lot of that hope you know, was dictated not on just injuries, but also the play on Ryan Tannehill. Now, like I said, Tannehill, um, you know, he's he's okay. He's solid. But in 2021, he didn't play all that well, um, at least not as well as in his first two years with Tennessee. Um, but again, not necessarily the worst either. Um, but it, for half of the time, he didn't prove, prove that spark. He didn't provide like oh i'm gonna change the game on a consistent basis um either it was either him scoring multiple touchdowns um throughout the game or it was him handing the ball off to either derrick henry or whoever's the running back at the time um and then his team eventually gets into a massive hole because the defense eventually gets tired and ryan Tannehill is eventually forced to do something and he can't do something so speaking of that defense um Championship level one for sure, but again, only could do so much. So, like I said, 
when neither does one of those things work, whether it's the running game, that can't get going. Defense gets tired. Ryan Tannehill forced to save the day and most of the time can deliver. Now, despite the okayness of Tannehill, Titans were still an efficient team. Got some big victories throughout the season against the Chiefs, the Bills. They swept the season series against the Indianapolis Colts and the LA Rams. So as an AFC top seed, they weren't necessarily scrubs uh, per se. So, and this was despite losing Derrick Henry for half of the season. Now keep in mind, he was like in that game against the Colts. He got injured um, with that broken foot. And throughout the season, they, the Titans were rotating through running backs, trying to, well, I don't for whatever reason, trying to replicate the success of Henry with Adrian Peterson, Deontay, Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard. Um, Peterson, absolute fail, but Foreman and Hillary, Hilliard um, were pretty solid um, towards the end of the season. And A.J. Brown had another banger year, but unfortunately for Julio Jones, he wasn't available for, for, for much of the season um, because he's just had too many injuries. Too many injuries. Uh, so in all, you know, the Tennessee Titans clinched the AFC South yet again. Ned, the AFC's top seed at 12-5, and five, got some help um, for some losses from Kansas City. Um, but the thing was, they didn't really act like it at times. And, you know, during that divisional game against the Cincinnati Bengals, um, some of those problems started to creep up um, for the Tennessee Titans, especially when it came to Ryan Tannehill. He really picked a shit time to play a really shit game, going for three interceptions, um, get, letting a, a Cincinnati pass rush get to him, like, a lot. Um, not so much so, like, the Tennessee defense, went on Joe Burrow and that terrible offensive line. I think they went for like nine sacks in that game. Like, holy shit. But damn, Tannehill pretty much undid what the Tennessee defense did for him. Throwing for three interceptions, all game changing, mind you. The first uh, the, the first one being the first pass of the game. And then literally the third interception is the, the last pass of the game for the Tennessee Titans. So this game was kind of a huge testament to the point we made earlier. The, the the Cincinnati Bengals, which they did, took you take the running game away from the Tennessee Titans, whether it's Derrick Henry or somebody else, and the focal point of the offense, um, it just becomes nothing. It just becomes absolutely nothing. So overall, the the Tennessee Titans went twelve and five, got the AFC's top seed, but for what? For what? They they're gonna be and still they're still kicking dirt over that big dud that. Ryan Tannehill laid in in the playoffs. Now, they're going to be asking themselves, is Ryan Tannehill really our man? And that's what we're going to be asking here, too. Is Ryan Tannehill really your man, Tennessee? And unfortunately, throughout that 2021, yes, it's it's only one year. It's only one year. 2020 2019 were, like, pretty okay-ish years. But 2021 was, like, kind of a down year for when it came to the Titans and Ryan Tannehill, despite getting that top seed. So, yes, you, you they they must have that question: Is Ryan Tannehill really our man? But unfortunately, they can't really do anything because they they gave him a fat ass contract. Um, because I don't know why they just rewarded him for oh, thanks for taking us to the AFC Championship game. Here's a fat ass contract for you. And guess what? Two years later, you're stuck with him. <laughs> you can't trade him. You can't release him because you're gonna be dealt with the fat dead cap hit anyway. So. You're stuck with them. So here we are for the Titans offseason. They, when they first started, they were minus 7 million in the red. So they had to do some restructuring. Um, they already did something good in, in extending Harold Landry to a lot and putting him in, in a long-term situation. So one of their key pieces to the defense already locked up um, for the future. They also re-signed their kicker, Randy Bullock. Um, they also uh, signed a tight end, so they just won their offseason needs in Austin Hooper. Um, sure, not a glaring success for the Cleveland Browns, but when he was on the Falcons, pretty solid. Um, um, they also released Julio Jones, so yeah, big bust. Big bust trade for the Tennessee Titans, and Roger Saffold um, also got released by the Titans as a cost-cutting measure, and he went on to sign with the Buffalo Bills. Now, some of their other key friends that um, that the Tennessee Titans had and elected not to keep were included 
Ben Jones, uh, the center, J- Javon Brown and Rashawn Evans, Buster Screen and Greg Maven, and Dante Hillard and Deontay Foreman. So pretty much me the substitute backups for Derrick Henry and Randy Bullock, who just re-signed. So right now, they're pretty much two and a half million under the cap. So they still have to make some room um, for their draft, their draft signings. And speaking of the draft signings and the rest of the free agency, some of the things that they still have to address. I think last season they pretty much addressed the defensive needs. Now this season has to be about offense. Uh, this offseason has to be about offense because sure they can go add help add inside linebacker because well uh, Rashawn Evans and Jalen Brown, um, uh, Javon Brown mind you, um, are on the open market still. So you can try to convince them to get a team friendly deal um, to come back, but. Either way, they're still going to need um, some help in the defensive backfield to either help in the pass rush or, you know, lock it down in the secondary. So, I mean, sure, you can go get some help at inside linebacker, but the main focus should be on the offense because you need you need someone opposite A.J. Brown. You also need some um, receivers behind whoever's going to, like that death, that death chart behind A.J. Brown and whoever's going to be that number two option because Julio Jones is gone. You, that experiment failed and sure they already got robert woods in a trade for a six round pick but we don't know what's gonna be, what he's gonna be like coming off an acl tear so the tennessee titans should go into the that third round or who knows maybe they might go first round for a wide receiver they need to focus um in this draft and maybe in the bargain bin of free agency on netting a number two receiver and they have to fix this offensive line just a little bit because a lot of them are getting a little old, per se. Now, in 2021, they were okay, but they struggled a good chunk in pass protection late in the season, and Ryan Tenhill got sacked a lot as a result. Now, they already have several offensive linemen on their roster, but again, not who knows? Who, who knows if they make it um, on the 53-man roster come this fall? So, whether it's... They want to find a key piece in the draft and what the rotation will be like. That's something the Titans should consider um, throughout this offseason. So they mostly have everything they need in place to go out and win a Super Bowl. But the thing is, you have some serious questions about how far you can go with Ryan Tannehill and some other questions, of course. Now, you're fighting against the cap. You're in need of another receiver uh, opposite A.J. Brown and death behind those two um, receivers. And now the Indianapolis Colts got a little bit better with Matt Ryan in the AFC South. So, yeah, this could get really rough for the Tennessee Titans if they don't make some moves in the draft or in like get some bargain bin options in free agency. And if they don't do that, damn. Their hopes of defending an ASC South title with Ryan Tannehill, or let alone making the playoffs, it can get rough. It can get rough really quick. So the third team on our list for this episode is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you're a fan of the Tampa Bay Bucks, if you're a fan of Tom Brady, or you're on the bandwagon pirate ship, 2020 for you is <laughs> pretty much everything you could have hoped for for your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Acquiring Tom Brady in free agency after taking his talents from New England to Tampa and then being joined by his old buddies, Rob Gronkowski, who just won the 24-7 title in Tampa, uh, coincidentally, in WWE, and Antonio Brown after his escapades um, in 2019. And yes, the Tampa Bay Bucks had their struggles with um, some growing pains and chemistry issues. And, you know, Bruce Arians was not shy to uh, say anything about that um, after some ugly losses, most certainly, especially to the New Orleans Saints. Um, but the Bucks came together late in the season, um, came into the playoffs as the fifth seed. And, man, they, they, they initially struggled uh, at first, you know, but they went on. Uh, they went on a run, beating the Washington Football Team, then beating the New Orleans Saints, sending Drew Brees into retirement, and then went to cold ass Lambeau Field, um, upset the Green Bay Packers, and then most importantly became the first ever team to play the Super Bowl in its home stadium, host technically the the Super Bowl at home, and put the lights out on 
Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They humbled their asses. Um, and Tom Brady went on to win a noticeable MVP. And the defense put the put the brakes on Mahomes. Like big time performance from um, that Bucks defense. So throughout their offseason, it was a big one, really big one for them. They got all their starters back um, from that Super Bowl run. Um, so not much needed to be done in the offseason except for some window dressing um, for the most part. So the Bucks seemed like they were going to run it back in 2021 for a potential repeat. And for, for Tampa Bay, <laughs> it was pretty much like smooth sailing, pretty much. Like aside from some... Uh, Back-breaking losses and some uh, heart-pumping um, games. The Bucks pretty much coasted through this regular season, relatively easy for the most part. Tom Brady still continued to fight fodder time, playing at a even higher level. Um, now that he had a full year to go through what Bruce Arians wants to um, output in his um, vertical air attack offense. And along the way, he managed to set some new um, records while winning games. He like that's how you properly do statistics, people. You have to do it while winning games. The stats don't always tell the story. The performance does. Okay. So anyway, helping out Tom Brady along the way was, of course, his supporting cast, both on the starting and reserve end. Um, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Gronk. Um, along with the rushing attack of Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, um, all continued to round out um, one of the most dangerous yet efficient offenses in the NFL. Also helping Brady out was one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. You got a trio of pro bowlers in tackle Tristan Wirfs, center Ryan Jensen, and guard Ali Marpet. Protected Brady very well. Game all day to throw um, against the, the best of the best and the worst of the worst uh, pass rushes. The defense also continued to success from the Super Bowl run, um, netting consistent pressure, hits, and sacks on the quarterback. Um, secondary was kind of an issue um, with either injuries or just laps in coverages. Um, but Tom Brady bailed them out most of the time um, with with his his goodness. <laughs> so hard to fault them on that. Um, but there are um, a variety of reasons why they weren't able to repeat as champions. They had some pretty bad losses um, throughout the season um, to the LA Rams early. They also lost to the Washington football team midpoint in the season. And yes, they even lost to the New Orleans Saints again. <laughs> their, their, their kryptonite in the regular season is the New Orleans Saints, even if they didn't make the postseason. Like somehow, some way, the the Tom Brady script tonight is the Saints, literally. So th those four losses were pretty much uh, what separated them and the Green Bay Packers from the NFC's top seed. And you know, had it not not been for the Rams' midseason slump, um, Tampa Bay could have been looking at themselves as the three seed and traveling to Los Angeles um, to the divisional. But you know tiebreakers helped them out a little bit they also had some starters um either miss time um throughout the season or be out of the season completely due to injuries with chris godwin being the biggest hit um with a torn acl um pretty much affected the offense um in a big way and eventually tristan Wirfs um got injured in the wild card game against the philadelphia eagles and then he couldn't play in the divisional game against the rams with the ankle injury and then of course, there was also whatever Antonio Brown did against the New York Jets over what he was claiming playing through a severe ankle injury. Um, so, yes, he was having that temper tantrum over that, uh, like how legit whatever was going on with settling that um, dispute between Bruce Arians, the Bucks, and Antonio Brown. Who knows at this point? Um, so... That he got released and it affected the Bucks' offense even more. So nonetheless, the Bucks clinched the NFC South pretty easily. Um, and despite all the injuries, despite that distraction, um, they looked to get the repeat going as the number two seed. They easily disposed of the Philadelphia Eagles, um, but they were getting uh, blown out early by the LA Rams in the divisional game. But 27-3 is a familiar number for Tom Brady um, um, at halftime. And he managed to come back. Um, like slowly but surely, and you you got like literally thirty over thirty seconds left, twenty seven all. Um, Tom Brady, um, 
put the lights out on offense with Mike Evans, um, Chris, uh, not Chris Godwin, um, and and pretty much just about everybody on offense. And all all they need for the Bucks to get back in this game was one last stop on defense. But unfortunately, that was not to be because um, Cooper Cup got away enough for the Rams to get into field goal range and get that game-winning field goal and end Tampa Bay's hope of a repeat. So, overall, I mean, it wasn't really a failed season for Tampa Bay, um, but, you know, a season that could have, like, gone better um, if things went a little bit um, their way. Had it not been for all the injuries um, and some better drawn-up plays on defense, and then there was whatever that was from Antonio Brown. So, yeah. Could have gone better. And, you know, at a point and during the offseason, it could have gone a lot worse because, well, as we all know, Tom Brady um, announced his retirement a week after they lost. And then here we are two months later. The boy is back. <laughs> he was like, nope, fuck, fuck family life. Fuck, fuck taking my kids to school. Um, I'm going to play another season of football. So Tom Brady is back in the NFL after... Um, telling retirement and family life to go fuck itself <laughs> for right now. And he's going to be playing one, uh, at least another season of football. And the Bucks are going to be trying again in 2022. So in terms of their offseason right now, as they entered it, they had around 3 million of cap space, so not really much to spend. Um, and, you know, they, they, they had pretty much some um, in-house, in-house needs to um, clean up. So the likes of Chris Godwin, Jason Pierre-Paul, Ryan Jensen, Nandam Kasu, uh, Leonard Fournette, and Ron Jones, um, Carlton Davis, a lot of like key, key, really key um, names that had expiring contracts coming up. Um, so some of their key moves in the offseason um, right now, well, the biggest one being, well, they got Tom Brady back, so they didn't need to be looking for a quarterback or hope that Kyle Trask turned into something. They also got um, Chris Godwin, Ryan Jensen, Leonard Fournette, and Carlton Davis back um, to a couple of, of long, uh, slightly long-term deals. Um, they also got um, Shaq Mason from the New England Patriots via trade. So, yeah, Dale Belichick uh, kind of helping on his buddy there, Tom Brady there. <laughs> so, with the offensive line. And they also got a, a somewhat other weapon in, in Russell Gage from, well, guess who the division rival the atlanta falcons so yeah some crazy stuff um piling up for tampa bay um it's the tom brady effect uh in full of in in going on so right now the tampa bay bucks after some restructuring after some extensions they have around nine million to spend so they got a little bit of a bump um so enough for whatever they're gonna do in the draft so they're slated to pick number 27th in in the nfl draft this this coming this coming april and something that they could address um and it's not many but they could add add some depth to the running back room so behind leonard fournette it it's not really pretty um ronald jones is now in kansas city and they need to reset that rotation Keyshawn vaughn was middling at best um but do you really want to go into a like backup rotation that only has Keyshawn Vaughn in it and nobody else like nobody else like semi-decent in case Leonard Fournette gets hurt really just consider that um they can also um consider getting some more help at wide receiver um sure they have Chris Godwin um they already have Mike Evans um they have Russell Gage but I mean sure he had one good season but you know who knows if he pans out to anything else so it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to add some more depth to the receiver position, um, especially when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady. So, you know, for the Bucs, they looked well on their way to repeating as world champions in 2021, considering how relatively smooth <laughs> they were sailing um, throughout the re regular season. But, you know, they also had some bad losses at the same time, um, some badly timed injuries as well um, that um, pretty much became preventing measures that eventually not even Tom Brady would, would overcome. Still, they have Brady back um, for 2022 after a very brief retirement, and sure, they only lost a few key pieces um, to their to their championship core. And despite that, though, the, the NFC is considerably much weaker. Um, Russell Wilson now in Denver. Um, who else? Who else is left? 
Um, I think that's the only that's the, pretty much the big name that has gone to out of the NFC. But the the NFC is pretty much weaker. Um, and Tom Brady is is pretty much back in the fold. And what can be a easier NFC for the taking for Tampa Bay? So as long as Tom Brady's in the fold, Tampa twenty twenty two could present the Bucks chance to give Tom Brady perhaps a proper retirement gift in the form of another Super Bowl run, Super Bowl run and perhaps another Super Bowl ring. So the final team we're going to be talking about today is the Green Bay Packers. For the Packers, they were the top overall team in the NFL this past season, at least in the regular season. And I'm starting to see a common theme for the Green Bay Packers in the last decade. Aside from two bad seasons in 2017 and 2018, they've had some pretty successful regular seasons, and some of which included some MVP-like ones from their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. But when it came to true nut-busting time in the playoffs, they could never get over that hump and get back to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2010. That 2010 season where you know Aaron Rodgers won his first, and currently, to this day, only Super Bowl. And, you know, during those um, over-the-hump losses included heartbreakers to the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals in back-to-back years. And then there were also those embarrassing NFC Championship stinkers to the Atlanta Falcons in the San Francisco 49ers. And then, of course, there's that most recent and best opportunity to go to the Super Bowl literally on the table for them. Aaron Rodgers and their head coach, Matt LaFleur, again, tripped and shit on the bed against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks at home when they had the top seed in the NFC. So, literally shit the bet on that one. And they literally spoiled a chance to have the State Farm Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, for the Packers, it, as if they didn't already have one offseason or controversy enough when they drafted Jordan Love in 2020, 2021 was no different. They already had... The resigns of sure you had Aaron Jones coming back, Kevin King coming back, other in-house free agents coming back, and whatever they were um, drafting that um, in the in the NFL draft in 2021. But all that was pretty much overshadowed by um, the news of Aaron Rodgers initially at the time, initially at the time, wanting out of the Green Bay Packers and wanting a trade. Uh, of course. All that was literally debunked, and the Packers and Aaron Rodgers eventually made up, and Aaron Rodgers restructured, um, or at least extended a little parts of his contract, so he could return in time for training camp, and hopefully this time make a Super Bowl run out of this season. And you know, after all that craziness, after all that drama, the Packers, you know, look poised to run it back again and dominate the NFC um, like they did in 2020. And initially. When they started the season, they didn't get the memo. They instead decided to smoke. <laughs> Let's get all elite, baby. With Adam Cole, baby. And the Cucks of Suck and Kenny Omega. They went to the land of all elite wrestling because the Superdome wasn't available at the time. And they got their ass handed by the New Orleans Saints. They smoked too much of that AW blunt. Um, whatever Tony Khan man was uh, handing them that day. And the Packers... After that, went on a tear, only losing three more times, and they really never lost their grip on the NFC's top seed. And that was because Aaron Rodgers had yet another MVP season, clearly waking up from that AEW hangover and putting up huge production despite losing a few key players on the offensive line. And mind you, his best offensive lineman, David Bakhtiari, um, he didn't really play most of the season until that pointless um, Detroit Lions season finale game, and he never showed up for the um, divisional playoff game because of injury. Um, and then there were also some injuries in the reserve receiving game. Um, but the thing with Aaron Rodgers was he was in the hot water with the media often because of his COVID-19 status and his immunization towards it. And that got him into some trouble with the NFL when he t- tested positive for COVID and then he lied about being vaccinated. So um, he got into some hot water there, um, missed a big week nine matchup. And again, spoiling um, a state farm matchup between himself and Patrick Mahomes. And that game also saw Jordan Love make his first ever NFL start. And yeah, that didn't go so great. 
But either way, Devontae Adams continued to show his excellence as one of, if not the top receivers in the NFL. And Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon formed a nice tandem backfield um, for the Packers. But other than that, the offense was kind of eh um, outside of those those couple of players. But the Packers defense, probably one of the top in the NFL. They got better under new defensive coordinator Joe Barry, um, replacing Mike Penn. Um, edge rusher Rashawn Gary um, led a strong defensive line um, alongside linebackers Preston Smith and the other Smith into Zadarius. Um, the drafting of corner Eric Stokes in the early season acquisition of uh, in-season acquisition of Rasul Douglas. Pretty damn good for the secondary. Um, both of them were excellent in breaking up plays, creating turnovers, etc., etc. So all in all, they once again clinched the NFC North with relative ease and clinched the top seed in the NFC for their second straight year. And, you know, they only suffered minor setbacks against the Minnesota Vikings and uh, the Detroit Lions, with the Lions being a pointless regular season finale. But then when it came again, you know, you win 13 games, you get the top seed in the NFC, you win the NFC North. But much like in years past, the Packers somehow, in some way, found a way to fuck things up and trip over that brick once again and fall into some deep, deep dog doo-doo in the playoffs. You score in the opening drive against the San Francisco 49ers and Jimmy Garbage fail. And what, what does Matt LaFleur and uh, Aaron Rodgers do after that? They let they let the 49ers and their defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, literally stalled the offense completely. They let the 49ers pass for us, get to Aaron Rodgers countless times with Matt LaFleur doing absolutely nothing to change things up. And they let Aaron Rodgers just get sacked relentlessly. <laughs> With no changes whatsoever. And making matters worse was perhaps their biggest glaring weakness that I have yet to mention um, at all at this point. And their biggest weakness all season long was their special teams. And it came back to bite their ass in the biggest of ways. They were ranked dead last because of their inability to stop kick and punt returns. And their inability to make their own big plays. And their kicker, Mason Crosby, missing more field goals than making them. So, this special team unit was pretty bad. It was pretty damn bad. And in this game in particular, against the 49ers at home, they allowed Jermichael Hasty and Debo Samuel to get huge kickoff returns. They let Mason Crosby's field goal get blocked at the end of the first half. And then, the thing that changed the game for the Green Bay Packers... They somehow let Jordan Willis break through the the special team's offensive line and then block the punt freely, and then everyone's just waiting around. And then here comes Telenoa Hufunga to scoop up the ball um, right wide open and then score the touchdown to tie the game 10 apiece, and then the momentum shifts in favor of the 49ers from there. And, yeah, we all know what happens from there. The 49ers end up winning the game, going on to win the NFC Championship game. And, oh my God, it's one thing, you know, it's one thing that the, that Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur um, yeah, get beat by Tom Brady and the Bucks in the NFC Championship game. But this time around, they didn't even make it back to the NFC Championship game. This was, this, was, this was their chance to go back. All they had to do was whoop the candy ass of the San Francisco 49ers and Jimmy Garbage fail. But they didn't even do it. They couldn't even do it. They couldn't, like, Aaron Rodgers... Didn't show up for um, the even the first playoff game. They didn't do shit. They literally did shit on the first drive, but they forgot about everything else after that. So, 2021 was literally Rodgers' chance to finally get over that hump, go back to his second Super Bowl. But he once again, alongside Matt LaFluke, we should be calling them that now, Matt LaFluke, until he decides to do something beyond going to besides going to the NFC Championship game. He, both of them failed to show up. They failed to show up when it came to true nut-busting time. Sure, Aaron Rodgers has already decided to come back to the Green Bay Packers and already agreed to extension. All is happy in Town. But is it really? Is it really right now? Let me ask you that, uh, Cheeseheads. Let me ask you that, Packer Nation. Let me ask you that. Because, you know, going to their offseason, going to their offseason, coming off their somewhat successful 13 and four season 
they were minus 44 million dollars in the cap so big red big red now they managed to get under that cap um before the league year started but man they had to do a lot of things to get under that cap um some of their key free agents included kevin king and rasul douglas robert tunyon who suffered that torn acl in week eight against the arizona cardinals um linebacker devon J. campbell whitney merciless marcus valdez scantling some of the key free agents there um, some of their key offseason moves was obviously getting Aaron Rodgers back, finally goading him into a decision, and then getting linebacker Preston Smith to, into a contract, contract extension. They also re-signed uh, Russell Douglas and Robert Tunyon back, but they lost uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling to the Kansas City Chiefs, but I don't think he'll be a major loss for them. Um, they also lost Darius Smith to the Minnesota Vikings, and yeah, that's kind of a blow to that Packers defense, especially kind of a blow when you lose him to a division rival. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? And then perhaps the biggest blow of all for the Green Bay Packers is trading away Devontae Adams to the Las Vegas Raiders for this year's first and second round picks. Now, yes, you get a first and second round pick this year, but it's no guarantee that Brian Gutenhurst and the Packers front office are going to nail that first round pick and second round pick to find Devontae Adams' replacement. So... <laughs> Like, damn, like, where are they going to find production? Where are they going to find anything um, for this offense now that Aaron Rodgers is deciding to come back? Like, damn. Yes, Devontae Adams is going to play for a lesser quarterback in Derek Carr. Ooh, yes, they both played together in Fresno. But, holy shit. Holy crap. Why did Aaron Rodgers decide to stay? If... He knew, if he knew, he knew about this too. If he knew Devontae Adams, like, had to go away. Damn, holy shit. So for the Packers, after all that restructuring, after literally giving away Devontae Adams to the Raiders, um, they have about $15 million to spend um, throughout the rest of the offseason. So some room for their first, uh, first round picks um, and the remaining uh, draft picks and whatever they want to spend else in free agency. Now, the current draft position, they have two in the first round in the 22nd pick from the Raiders and their own first round pick in number 28. And some of their needs, and oh man, they're going to definitely need a big one on this, is finding wide receivers. Uh, receivers with a Z, a big fat Z in it to replace Devontae Adams. It, and like I said, it's going to be very hard to replace uh, Devontae Adams in the production he had, just like with the Kansas City Chiefs, it's going to be hard to find uh, uh, production that Tyreek Hill had for Patrick Mahomes. But in terms of the Packers, they're going to need it fast. They're going to need it really fast if Rodgers hopes to finally return to the Super Bowl. Now, there's plenty of worthy uh, late first-round uh, receivers in, the, in this draft. So hopefully by that time, whether it's 22nd and 28th, hopefully this time, you know, general manager Brian Goodhurst you know, finally wakes his ass up to pick a receiver, the best available one um, that fits in Matt LaFleur's offense in this draft. And probably they should use a second round pick to nab another one too. Um, they could also use some help on the front seven because, well, they lost uh, Preston Smith to the Minnesota Vikings, and that could end up being a big loss for the Packers pass rush. Um, so clearly they have some, they have two first round picks, so maybe they can use the other one on finding another, um, line, another linebacker to replace the production value for what Smith had to offer. So like in years past 2021 for the Green Bay Packers, they were a talented team, 13 wins, NFC North top seed in the NFC, but also like in years past, they, and especially Aaron Rodgers, they flopped very hard when the bright lights shined on them. And this time around, they didn't even get back to the NFC Championship game. They lost to the 49ers of all teams. And they lost to, of all quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo, a.k.a. Jimmy Garbage Fail. Making matters worse for the Green Bay Packers is that the front office was forced to ship out Rodgers' go-to option in Devontae Adams to pretty much roll it back with Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders like Derek Carr and Devontae Adams were doing it in Fresno when they were in college. So... Holy hell. The Packers better find some receivers for Aaron Rodgers to go to in 2022, or they're, they're not going to be producing much shit 
in 2022, despite, you know, having Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. And perhaps soon enough, for Aaron Rodgers, he may be soon regretting um, staying in Green Bay, signing that big-ass contract extension because, yes, he cares about the money, but at the cost of what, exactly? At the cost of what? And my final question for the Green Packers is, can you even call yourselves an NFC favorite, let alone an NFC North favorite at this point in time? We'll see. So that is it for part five of my 2021 NFL season recaps. Only four teams in this one. We talked about the Buffalo Bills, the Green Bay Packers, the Tennessee Titans, and the Tampa Bay Bucks. In this part five, we're going to be talking about the last three teams in the final part, part six, um, later later on this week. On I think it's going to be hopefully at this point <laughs> at the end of the week um just stay tuned just stay tuned we're gonna be talking about the Kansas City Chiefs the Cincinnati Bengals and the champion of the 2021 season the LA Rams so stay tuned for that but if you enjoyed this March Madness you know make sure you go check it out if you missed any of them and go support go support Miracle Lasagna however you can you know give it a like give it a review um, leave a comment however you can, you know, um, especially if you're watching this, um, on YouTube, you know, like your, your likes and your comments, um, it helps like push out more views. However, you, however you can, it, it means the world to me, your views, your support. It really does mean the world to me. And as I try to continue growing this filthy casual podcast of a guy just chatting about sports and pro wrestling in the most filthy casual way possible from a filthy casual fan. But that is it for this episode of Very Cold Lasagna, episode number 97 of this Freezing Cold podcast. I'm your host, Don Lasagna. Make sure to do all the good things in relation to Very Cold Lasagna. Like, comment, subscribe, follow everything in relation to the show, whether it's on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, as well as the social medias on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. And as always, keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports. Very cold in the fridge with all your takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports. Icy and spicy like that very cold lasagna. And until next time, when we conclude our March Madness here on Very Cold Lasagna, peace out.